Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. Hey everybody, this is the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. My name is Alex. I guess I'll go number two here. I'm Steve. And... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is going to be a very entertaining show, isn't it? Very mature mature show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can give us a follow on Twitter at PifflesPod. You can give me a follow at RealAlexD. You can find me at Sapamod. And once again, I do not need your pity follows at Greg on Sports. I don't need them either. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. And special thanks to your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, for that great opening. I don't know where to go with this show, guys. It's time for the opening kickoff. I think the entire team knew where to go. Should we just flush this game? Right down the drain. This was, it was not the best performance. It wasn't even the second best performance. It wasn't number two on the list. Um, The good silver lining of uh, the Riders losing is that, um, I mean, I guess they were number two in this game. It could have been worse. Did we hit a White pants were brave. That's all I need to say. The white pants were brave. (laughs) Oh, what a wild banjo bowl, just in the sense of, that whole hour leading up to it when we started hearing the reports that, oh, there's a bug, go- you know, a little stomach flu going around the riders, and there was players driving to the game while the game was just about underway just to arrive as backups, and it was just an absolute mess. So the riders... Literally. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like the bathroom in the locker room. Oh, that poor that poor guy at IG Field has to clean that bathroom. I hope he gets a raise. Unbelievable! That uh, <laughs> so I mean we can have fun with it, um, and that's what I plan on doing today anyway. Because when we look at the Banjo Bowl, like that game is either historically speaking a a close Riders win or the Bombers win in a blowout. And I expected the Bombers to win in a blowout because generally speaking, that's what tends to happen. And they did. It was 54-20. But that was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be, at least in the first half. You can see that that was a really run-down team in the fourth quarter. Um, They just ran out of gas. I was going to say they were gassed. That's exactly where I was (laughs) going with it. Like, I I don't know what to make. Like, I don't want to sit here and dwell on this game because that was one of those games that, what, three or four of the starting offensive linemen were all having stomach issues and uh richardson who started at right tackle or um he he ended up playing sick um josiah st john didn't play the second half while he was probably on the st john and jamal campbell had to play the second half basically out of necessity like it was a weird weird thing and they were already down logan furland too like yeah that 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 offensive line it was bad 
Like that whole that whole game was an absolute mess. And just right off the bat, I just want to say kudos to the Riders for getting through it because that that couldn't have been easy for sure. So fifty four twenty, um, that was poopy. All I know is that Corey Johnson would be proud of that game. Good old poop. Um, I still never but, understand how anybody, as a grown man, lets other people call them poop, but I digress. When you're that big, who cares? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, you know the story behind that his nickname, right? No. Is his weight in college, uh, it fluctuated so much, so somebody asked him, okay, well, your weight is, is going up 10 pounds, down 10 pounds, like, what's what's going on here? And, like, dead ass in the face says oh it's because i poop so much <laughs> and his teammates heard that and thought it was the funniest thing so they nicknamed him poop so that's how cory johnson got his poop nickname seems appropriate that we were playing the bombers in this one since that's where he spent his entire right. cfl career so um but when we actually talk about the game here um i, I kudos to the o-line i thought just they held, all things considering, they held in pretty well. Like, yes, Willie Jefferson and, and the D-line for Winnipeg had some pretty decent numbers, but I thought they actually played pretty well. And Fajardo actually had a little bit of time in this game. You know I, what? For the for the first half, absolutely. They came out of the gate and they looked, Cody, Cody looked confident, which is kind of saying something if he knew exactly what was going on with the, the guys in front of him. Like, he had to know at some point that line was going to fall apart. And he took advantage of the time that he had. Realistically, we were a failed third and one away from going into halftime down three. Instead, we we turn it around. They score a touchdown at 17. Like, it's... This game was a lot closer than that score looked. Is it weird that I came out of a 54-20 game more confident in this team? This team has shown they can stand toe-to-toe in spurts with the best in this league. They they will make mistakes. There, there will be um, gaps, especially on that O-line, but they showed they can compete. It's just a matter of putting an entire game together, which we haven't seen yet. Well, it was really the defense that kind of let the team down, just I mean, the offense didn't have the ball like at all in the first half. When you look at the time of possession, that first quarter, two plays, two plays. Yeah, two plays. Winnipeg had more touchdowns than the Riders had plays like in the in the first quarter and a half. Like it was was insane. Like that's it's very rare that this Rider defense is going to get worn down and beat up like that. Um, So that that to me that was the disappointing thing, but because. When the offense came out and in, in, in the second quarter, they actually started firing on on all cylinders. Like that offense was moving the ball very well, and I thought Fajardo had a, had a pretty decent game. I thought the offense did have a, a pretty decent game. They just didn't have the ball enough, and that's not their fault. That was, I mean, that's on the defense. They didn't get a stop. They didn't stop Winnipeg from scoring until what the ninth drive which was sometime in the fourth quarter. And good on Jake Hardy. He made uh, the most of his minutes this week. Like 
best receiver we had by far. Him and Cody found a little bit of a rhythm this week as well. That was kind of nice to see. But yeah, that that defense definitely uh, not the. Uh, I don't think they want to go back to that film because they got absolutely eviscerated. They they might want to spend another day with that stomach flu before they even look at they, before they would want to look at the film from that game. That was that was about as an ugly a performance as you could ever expect from, you know, a quality defense. But again, they have to know. They had to know going in. It was a ba- It was a matter of survival at best, and clearly the defense didn't have it. Well, like I said, the banjo bowl. They get blown out half the time anyway, so you kind of go in into that game kind of expecting it, and when it happens, you just kind of brush it off. We've seen it happen so many times. 2007, they got blown out. I think 2013, they also got blown out in that game, too. I'd have to double-check that, but I mean, getting blown out in the Banjo Bowl is nothing new, and I'm not too terribly worried about it. Um If the offense can continue their growth that they have shown over the last couple of weeks, Fajardo Labor Day game, of course, being more confident than I've ever seen. And uh, he had to leave practice on Tuesday here. Um, we're thinking that it's his wife that went into labor. So hopefully he should be good for this Friday game against the Elks. Um, but if he continues to to grow with this Jason Moss offense and, and be able to get the ball to the playmakers, who have been able to move the ball pretty well the last couple of weeks, you get Duke Williams healthy again in the next couple weeks. And that's the time when you really, really need this offense to step up. And this defense isn't going to be doing this every week. So I'm not, all's not lost. Like I've actually felt worse about this team from other games, not from a 34 point loss here, which is really weird. Right, and that's nice. what I said. You come out, of, come out of a game, come out of a game, Losing 34 points more confident than when you went into it is something that I would never have imagined, but that's exactly what it is. And the good news is, without getting ahead of ourselves, this upcoming game is exactly who you want to play against. You can actually get your feet back underneath you after that uh, display in Winnipeg, get healthy, and try to get try to get that rhythm going again. And realistically, with five games left in the season, the Riders need one more, one more win. God, I love the East. Like that's the fact that we're the magic number is almost one with seven wins is sad. But there's not a lot of scenarios where there are three seven win teams anymore in the East. So you win one game in the next five, and this team is starting to roll. Take your chances in the playoffs. And when you start looking at that playoff race, is they have three wins up on Hamilton and Ottawa. So, I mean, that's a that's a three-game lead on two teams where both of them need to catch you. Or one of them does anyway uh, to knock you out of the playoffs. And you got Montreal, who's still not having a good record. They've turned it around a little bit, but still below 500. Uh I mean, I don't want to say the Riders are sitting pretty after, you know, going two and six in their last eight games, but it definitely could be worse. So, again, thank goodness for the East Division being so terrible and uh, Hamilton and Ottawa losing again last week. 
Well, we got Hamilton one more time this year too in Hamilton. Yeah. So that that's a good place, and then plus Hamilton's also has uh, Montreal, Winnipeg, Stamps, and they got two games against the Red Blacks. So basically, the Red Blacks and Hamilton cancel each other out those games. So it's yeah, it's gonna be hard not to make the playoffs at this point. Well, we're not gonna dwell too much on that uh, Badger Bowl loss. Um, I just want to uh, go back a week to the Labor Day Classic and the and the Sun or the Family Fun Day that they had. The Riders released a video of uh, a fan, which was Jake Hardy dressed up as a as a fan, trying to get autographs and telling them that you know, oh, that's a crummy autograph. Can I get a a better one? And chasing Cody Fajardo down, and nobody knew it was Jake Hardy. And you got to check that out. It's on the Riders' Facebook and Twitter if you haven't seen it already fantastic stuff that's the content this league needs because that was brilliant and especially for a a lesser known guy like jake hardy that guys on his own team didn't even realize it was him that like that's that's pretty great i think the best part about that video is when he was sitting there with karan moore getting autograph autograph or autograph after autograph after autograph gets them all done i think he ended up getting eight of them and then he walks away thanks shaq evans it just the whole thing was just beautifully done. I'd love to see more of that. Absolutely. I liked when he said, "No, nah, I don't do." I think there's a line over there. No, I don't do lines. <laughs> you think at some point when he was walking behind the table, they would have realized what was going on? Like he was like, cutting in front of lines. But it does kind of show exactly what happens at the fan days. Is that stuff like this does happen? And it, I mean. They're having fun with it, but it's a very real thing that happens. And the Cody getting hounded for autographs. If I do, no, if I do no. it for you, I got to do it for everyone. And, and he respectfully did exactly what you need to do there. Love that out of Cody. He's like, no, I can't do it. And he, he, you could tell Cody felt bad about it. He stuck to his guns, though, and that, yeah. I appreciate that about him. Is that he didn't stop. He's like, no, I got to go to this thing. I can't stop for you. So good on you, Cody. That was uh, that was good and good on the riders for for making that happen because you saw other fans from the CFL look at finding that video and 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 loving it like everybody loved it and that's the kind of marketing that this team needs that this league needs and I think it was absolutely fantastic. There's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage General Realty. Jumping to our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones this week. Um, it's rumored that the Grey Cup halftime show might be announced this upcoming Friday with the Riders hosting the Elks because, generally speaking, they announce it in September for a team's home game. The Riders only have one more home game after this. So there's only two home games left. They have to announce it either now or in October, and they're not going to wait to October to do this. So I have a feeling we're going to find out who the... Great Cup halftime show is going to be this weekend. And they're going to do it on Friday Night Football. They always do it on Friday Night Football. It has to be this weekend. Yeah. So I have a theory on who who it's going to be. Before I get to that, though, who do you guys think it's going to be? Trooper. (laughs) With April. Who do you you think it's going to be? Not who do you want it to be, Steve? (laughs) Harlequin. (laughs) Kiss Moscow. I, I honestly have no idea who I th- who it's going to be this year. I've it's been one of the few things I've 
I don't put a lot of stock in it either way. It's not for me. I'm if at the Grey Cup, I'm there for the game. But if it, the band's good, like or the show's good, like hey, last time they gave us flipping skidoos. I at this point, uh, everything else is gravy. You know they're planning for more more skidoos this year. That was the head the um, the hit of the 2013 Grey Cup. My, I don't care about Headley. I still don't care about Headley, but give me a flipping skidoo. Yeah, I feel like they uh, if they could go back in time, they probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't take Headley again. The the best part of that entire them. thing is though is Headley getting booed out of the building in the <laughs> building when they announce them. That'll never that'll never not be funny. I the the problem right now is you look at the last few Grey Cups and they've got their picks have been way out of left field, other than obviously the um, the pick in in Hamilton that. Arkells. Yeah, like the Arkells were the obvious choice there. And a great the, only, the only question was going to be, were they last year or were they next year? But other than that, you've seen some pretty... You saw Keith Urban, Keith Urban, Shania Twain. Um, why can't I remember the other one? But you've been moving towards these bigger names away from the, the local Canadian talent. And obviously mentioning Shania Twain and then, you know, Canadian talent, but I, I digress. Um, I don't. I don't know. Like it, it could be. I realized that last little bit sounded like a knock on Shania Twain, not a knock on Shania Twain. Bit. She's awesome. That came out not the way I. Intended. She came out in a dog sled. That, yeah, that might trump skidoos. I remember sitting at the the tweet up, watching them practice that, and everyone's like, "Holy crap, she's on dog sleds." I wish I would have seen it live for the first time instead of yeah at the practice. But I don't know who it's going to be. Like they they've been targeting those big talent names lately. But who out there is next? I don't know. I said it last week, and I I really want it to be Sean Mendez. I think he's great, young Canadian. He's going to bring in um, a a group of listeners that isn't watching CFL games and that's what they need to do. So I'd love to see him. Plus he's one of the biggest stars in the world, in the music world right now. So to me, that's a no brainer if you can get him. but I think he might be too big for the great cup and he might be a Super Bowl halftime show more than anything. Um, but if they can get him for the great cup, that'd be absolutely huge. But my theory is it's going to be a repeat of somebody we've seen before. I think because they have a, an album coming out in November. No, don't do it. Don't I'm put it out say there. It. And I, don't I, put I, this out into the universe. Oh, I know exactly where you're going with this. Oh, oh well, I, well, we're making poop jokes all, all show long. You guys will uh, think this is a crappy pick, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be Nickelback. Oh. They have a new album coming out. I don't need it. I Every, honestly don't. I actually like the, the single off that song that they have playing on the radio right now. It's actually a pretty good song. Um, you know the words to their songs that they're going to play. It's going to be songs that you've heard before for those 15, 20 minutes, and you're going to know every single word to those songs. I think it's going to be Nickelback. Ugh. I don't I, hate it. My I stomach feels it. like I do. I they've been they were too recent though they played in in was it Calgary or Edmonton not that long ago, twenty eleven 
It was in Vancouver. It's been a decade. Yeah, it's good to say. It's long? been over a decade. Yep. It's been over. Yes, no, dead, no, 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 I remember that. Form, I it was think. Bombers and Lions Grey Cup, and Nickelback was playing for playing the halftime show. That was the first time I ever made a cheering for a stadium fire joke. Oh, first time I ever made that joke. I, I, you're not, that's not the first time I've heard that idea as a possibility, but I feel like Nickelback isn't big enough for what they're going for these days. They're really, I do like Nickelback is, is great at what they do. They're, they're great at their produced sound that makes them a boatload of money. Let's not, we can't argue that. Like they could, they could have wiped their ass in the rider locker room all day long with a hundred dollar bills. But I just, I don't see it. I don't know why that seems like they'd be, again, it's only been 11 years since they were the halftime show. Do you really want to be recycling picks over again? Who else is there though? If you want to go with a, with a big name, who else is there? I, Literally, uh, I, I know something, but I don't. I I don't want to say anything because I I've heard something. I know a major act that's actually in the province this weekend, supposedly for hunting. Um, I'll tell you guys off air, but and that way, when if it happens, I look like a genius. Well, let's hurry up and get through the show because I want to find out exactly what you know. Um, but I I, I fully expect it to happen this uh, this Friday at the game. And that, to me, is kind of a, a no-brainer to, to announce it now and get going. And uh, speaking of Grey Cup, um, Spirit of Edmonton breakfast tickets go on sale on Thursday. I know Furlan's looking forward to that. Uh, I got to miss so, it. Yeah, you're you're going to be out in Montreal. Yes. Poor, poor guy. Parlez-vous français, n'est-ce pas? I mean, it would have been nice to go to Montreal maybe the week before or the week after. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get to pick. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Oh. Well. But yeah, they're, they're, the nice thing is they're trying to get me back for the game, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. All that for a Winnipeg Toronto game, huh? Oh come on, we can come through the Ooh. East. It's never happened before, but we'll make it happen. It's it's our year. Yes, it's it's the hey, year. Let, let let's hope a Cody Fajardo uh, touchdown takes a, uh, puts us in the uh, Grey Cup this year. Huh? Hey! Yep. Come on, a Saskatchewan Winnipeg Grey Cup in Re- in Regina oh with the Riders God. as the visiting team. Could you imagine? The Riders would fight so hard to make sure they have their own locker room, and I'm Apparently- sure the league would, would league would make it happen. But I hope that if that were to happen, that no, I've Winnipeg been I've been told that locker room thing is not actually a thing anymore. Because uh, who uh, Hamilton? Hamilton got their locker room last year. Yeah, it was in Hamilton. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because they released. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Represent. It, it right. always, the home locker room always goes to the, yeah, the division. True. I wonder if they'd make an exception if the home team makes it through a crossover, but... I can't imagine that's going to be the case. As, as much as I want to... I want to be the homer. I don't think we're going to run into that problem. All right. Now, one thing I want to talk about here, because it's been written down on our show lineup, and we actually have a lineup here that we actually try to focus on every once in a while. Um, but we haven't, we just haven't gotten to it the last couple of weeks. But it's kind of starting to bring or come up again 
And it was people talking about, I think it was John Rush I was talking to on Twitter. And we talked about what a problem in the CFL is. And to me, the biggest issue the league has right now is with quarterback play. Outside of Nathan Rourke and how he was playing and Zach Kalaros, there is no elite quarterback in this league. Everyone's average. And that's kind of at best. Like there there are some okay quarterbacks. And Bo Levi Mitchell had his time. It's clearly gone now. And you look out east, McLeod Bethel Thompson is the best one out there, and he's super inconsistent. And you look in the west, and Cody Fajardo is trending downwards, although the last couple of games he's kind of trending back up um, after after a kind of a, a rough patch here. But quarterback play and, and lack of it, to me, is the biggest issue that the CFL has. And I think it's combined with the coach's cap. With only having up to 11 coaches on the roster, having a salary cap in place, these guys are getting less one-on-one coaching like we've seen in the past. And I think that's a bigger issue than quarterback play is the coach's cap because it has that trickle-down effect that we're not, you, you know, like you don't, directly see it you indirectly see it so i think this is the biggest mistake that the cfl has made in the last few years with their rules because we're starting to see a trend downwards of on-field product and to me that can't happen and i think this coach's cap and i'm sure a guy like chris jones will agree because he loves throwing money around when it's not his that this is what's to blame for lack of play on field. Do you guys agree with that? Because I, I think that's the biggest issue right now with the CFL. I've been on record several times saying that the CFL coaches cap is, or front office, it's actually a front office cap. Like It's like it's a staff cap. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be towards coaches, but because it affects scouting as well. As So it's it's ridiculous. And yes, it should be called the Chris Jones rule because he's basically the reason behind it. Because his coaching staff was massive. And teams wanted to bring it in. But at that point, you just tell Chris Jones, well, too bad. You can only hire so many people. Craig Reynolds wanted to. to I know. The writers were the ones pushing for it. The writers were one of the teams pushing for this. Basically, to rein in their own GM slash coach. Which just blows my mind. Just tell him you can't hire that guy. But no, it yeah, like it coaching has definitely it hurts coaching, it hurts changes because you're kind of stuck with what you can do. Like essentially we got stuck with and I don't say we're stuck with Dickie, but they had no they were handcuffed on what they could do to bring in a head coach. They almost had to hire within when Chris Jones left the team high and dry. It's it's a terrible role, and you combine that with the fact that guys can't can no longer move upward to change teams, the coaching transitions in the CFL are are harder than they need to be. Well, you you look the the XFL just announced a bunch of their their coaching <laughs> staff. Their their list of coaches for one is longer than any CFL coaching staff, and you saw a lot of familiar names on that list. And the CFL can't afford to lose coaches 
to the USFL to the XFL. I mean, if you lose a coach to the NFL, what are you going to do? That happens. You, just like players, 99% of coaches would love to go up towards the NFL. Hence why Chris Jones went from general manager and, and head coach to a defensive assistant down south, right? Like, it's obviously the jump is there, but you can't afford to be losing these spots. And when you limit guys that you can bring in, you're going to limit the the ability to move up within your team. And Greg mentioned it. It affects scouting too. So players are, you're, you're scouting less. You're bringing in less players. You don't have the same ability to get that talent up here. And once you get the guys up here, you're not coaching them the same. The league can't afford this. And I, I agree 100% with you, Alex, that this is not, this is the worst rule change the league has made in the last decade. You mentioned the XFL announcing their head coach or uh, their coaching staffs and uh, coaching for the San Antonio team, uh, defensive backs. It's going to be Corey Chamberlain. Good old so, Corey Chamberlain. Little rider tie there. Also with uh, Jamie Elizondo is their offensive coordinator with Heinz Ward, their head coach. So that'll be uh, kind of interesting to watch. But yeah, like with the XFL and the USFL, there's way more places for, for guys to go, for players to go and get their shot at the NFL, which is what they, generally speaking, that's what they all want. And the NFL is going to sign these guys from the USFL and the XFL if they have a good season. And yeah, they'll still bring in some CFL guys, but they probably trust those teams more. Just because they have all these huge coaching staffs and, and it's coached towards the NFL game a little bit more than it is towards the CFL game, right? So it's just going to be like that. That has to be revisited at some point. Like I know it was done to, to save money and, and the league's still in, in saving money mode right now with, with coming out of uh, the, you know their shortened season last year and missing the season in 2020 to COVID. Like I know that all teams are trying to cheap out on things as much as possible. Maybe cheap out isn't the right word, but save money on as many yeah, things as savings. possible. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, you're seeing businesses everywhere do that. It's not just a, a CFL thing, but this is one of those things where it's, it's a long-term game and yeah, you're going to have the short-term pain of having to pay these, these coaches if you want to have more staffs members on the, on the team. But, you're going to have better play, which is going to result in more ticket sales, which is ultimately what the team or what the league needs. So I'd love to see this being revisited. I just, I can't see it happening anytime soon though. But let's be honest. Like, yes, the pandemic hurt ticket sales and yes, it hurt the CFL, but these teams are actually coming out of it a lot stronger than people expected. Like the riders are expected to be out of the hole Probably by well, and the Grey Cup helps, but probably by the end of next season, like they made a profit last year, and the ticket sales were terrible on a shortened season. Like they they need to do what's best for the game, and then what's best for the game is all the teams firing at all cylinders. And this year, the games have been not that good. I'm sorry, when you've got the entire East getting blown out by everybody, the uh, the Elks being terrible. Like, what? Who, who's that good for? The mo the most exciting games are BC and uh, Calgary and uh, Winnipeg. 
and maybe the riders thrown into one or two of them because they can hang with some of these teams, but that's it. Yeah, so hopefully if uh, if anything, we'll see something in that change in the next couple of years. But again, like I said, I can't see that happening, at least not anytime soon. Um, looking ahead to this Riders-Elks game as we get to our enemy preview, the Riders can eliminate Edmonton from the playoffs with a win, but it's Chris Jones returning to Saskatchewan um, with the Elks here. And I'm really curious to see especially after the Elks getting blown out last week by Calgary at home, um, giving up, what, 56, 54 points themselves, or 50 points, whatever they gave up. Like, Chris Jones said it, and we know it's true from having Chris Jones here that I'm going to see, I'm going to, you know, try more guys and see who actually wants to be here and who's worth keeping around for next year. So I'm curious how he approaches this game, if there's any kind of, Okay, because it's against the Riders, do I am I focused a little bit more on trying to win the game, or am I focused on finding out who's going to be here next year? Chris Jones doesn't care about the Riders. He wants to know who he's got for next year. We we, we learned that in uh, 2015? 2016. 2016. 2016. We learned on 2016. They literally shut down the stadium, and he started not daring Durant. Like, he doesn't care about what people want him to do. He's worried about building his next winner or his next job, depending on what day of the week it is. He he doesn't he doesn't care. He doesn't care if he beats the Riders this week. Yeah, he, he'd love to win, but that win's not going to do him any any good this year. So he he doesn't care. He's going to keep on cycling through guys until he get he grinds that team until to who he knows he has got for next year. I I don't know if it's if he doesn't want to win. I I agree that he doesn't care that it's the Riders. He's going to play on Friday night to win the game, but it's going to have nothing to do with it being Saskatchewan. It's going to have to do with him being uh, a competitive SOB and wanting wanting wins. I I can't see him changing his game plan up depending on who he's playing based on his past. I I don't think that's going to matter. But I'm I'm most looking forward to the crowd's reaction to him. When they when they announce, you know, under the direction of Chris Jones, and how quickly that "you suck" uh, chant might actually work, completely by accident. I've I've got no faith in that ever happening this season. <laughs> well, what they should do is actually have a "you suck" on the jumbotron and prompt people to cheer to chant that. Or B, have Kurt Angle say it himself and make it work. Like, I mean, come on. But you mentioned it, Greg, earlier in the show, and I said this is a Ryder team that's 2-6 and six in their last eight games. This is a, if there ever was a get-right game going into the final stretch of the season for the Riders, this has to be it, right? Like, I mean, if you're looking at if who you're dressing for the Riders, obviously with the, with Cody Fajardo having to leave practice, he should be good to go for Friday, assuming everything goes well with uh, with the birth of his child. Um, you probably sit out Duke Williams this game, even if he is good to go. Well, he didn't because, practice today. But the, the way that uh, the offense looked with Shaq Evans back, 
he seems to be the X factor for sure. And you have Kyron Moore and KSB who didn't play in the Banjo Bowl. And I'm assuming you have to assume you get him back for this one because uh, he's not going to have a another number two game. He's not going to have the Banjo Bowls? No. Um, so you have all your weapons at your disposal. Maybe you probably do sit Duke Williams here because he's more way more important the week after than he is this week. Um, this, is this is this the team you want to see the Riders play after having that rough stretch um, against Winnipeg the last couple weeks, going into another game against Winnipeg next week? After absolutely dropping a deuce in Winnipeg, this is this is the perfect matchup for them. You you can you can take a sheet of three two ply and wipe that one away and come ahead with this one. You couldn't have asked for a better matchup. I thought we were done with the poop jokes. <laughs> no, unlike the Riders, I've been holding that one in all day. This, like I said, I said earlier, this is where you want to be. This is the team you want to face. Because after that, you did, didn't want to face a team like BC, even though BC's hurting after Rourke left. Like you want, or even Calgary, you wanted a tomato can, for lack of a better term, that you could just kind of get right with. And in typical writer fashion, this is probably going to be a lot closer than it needs to be. But th- this is where you can get your offense clicking again. You can get your defense going again. And, uh, kind of turn things around and hopefully at least get one on the bomber showing that you can beat them. The The only thing that concerns me, and it's the thing that's concerned us all year long, but this year, it's this week, it's a little different again, is our O-line. We're going to be without Taron Vaughn. He's gone home to, I birth believe, child. The, yeah, the birth of his child. Uh, Logan Ferland was a do not, did not participate at practice today. You're still without Dan Clark, though he was listed as limited he was there on the sidelines doing a few snaps and basic stuff. He's not game ready yet. He's not, I doubt he's back in the next couple of weeks. That they need at some point to get some consistency on that O line as we roll through October and November. And we haven't seen any of it in weeks. That scares me. You need your five guys, you need them healthy, and you need them getting a few games together. But thankfully, it's still, it's Edmonton. But it's Edmonton away from home, so it's a little more worrying. Yeah, the only thing that could have made this better is if you were playing Edmonton in Edmonton, because <laughs> that would have been a guaranteed win right there. And then someone had nachos, and then they got fined. So It's been a while since we got a fine. Let's keep it that way. Well, I'm I'm really interested because in this game, just how the riders come out um, from the beginning of the game after not having the ball at all in the first quarter last week against beast or against Winnipeg and just how everything happened. But also the riders have lost four straight games at home. It's been a long time since the riders have won at home. It's been since Garrett Marino took out Jeremiah Mazzoli against Ottawa. That's the last time the riders won at home. So, to me, I'd really like to see the urgency um, off the bat starting this game for the Riders and get that momentum early. And to me, that's important. Um, I mean, in fast, quick starts in football are always important for a team. But I think this is almost a little bit more now because if they 
start either fall ahead or fall behind in this game or just can't seem to, to pull away, that doubt is going to start creeping in the back of their minds. Another loss at home. Another loss at home. They're under 500 at home. Like, they shouldn't be. Hey, we're still better than Ottawa and Edmonton. But we're getting pretty close to not being able to make those jokes. <laughs> nah, I we're mean, still good. We're not we're, one we're, in we're, still, we're, we're still good. This is in 2016. We're still good. <laughs> yeah. Well, it hasn't been, what, 100 or 1,000 and, what, 70 days or whatever it is since Edmonton's won at home. So it's not that bad. But this well, team come- needs to come out and, and do something right off the bat just to, to get that positive momentum, whether it's offense, whether it's defense setting the tone. Like, they just they have to get something going right away. And that's imperative to me. With with these lights out games, the one thing I've always noticed over the last few years when they've done them, they usually have some of the best atmosphere for for from the fans. Like it's usually a really loud game. It's a good, solid atmosphere in the stadium. If you can harness that, like you said, right off the bat, you can keep that going all game long. This this team these fans need something to scream about. They need something to cheer about at home. Give it to them. Do what you did against against Winnipeg. Instead of deferring to the second half, take the ball and ram it down their throats. Show them that th- this is your house. Because if we, we can't... We, we're not going anywhere if we can't beat Edmonton at home. I'd like to see them run the ball a lot with Frankie Hicks in this game just to not kill the clock, but just control the clock and, and make it more friendly on them than, than last week was. So I'd like to see, and Frankie Williams has been having one heck of a year so far. Sorry, Frankie Hickson. I was going to say um, Williams. Why do I say Williams all the time? Uh, um, who is Frankie Williams? i got to look that up because... Isn't, isn't he the guy in... Was in Hamilton before? Yeah, I think it was Hamilton. He's yeah. returner. There's yeah. definitely a Frankie Williams. Yeah. I've been saying it since the preseason. I like the I like Hickson the way he hits the hole. Like Cornerback like, and kick returner, by the way. He, he's five. He's five eight, but he hits the hole like he, dude runs over people. Well, and he has that breakaway speed as well, which we've seen um, already this season from him. What's actually really surprising is that for as good as a season he's having, I think he's fourth in the CFL in rushing. He's just behind Jamal Morrow. Um, is he only has one touchdown? The running back. That was that big one. That was that was sixty some yarder. Yep. Um, so other than that, because I mean, we don't run the ball under the tent, like <laughs> when we get in the red zone. Well, and and when it gets down to the goal line in the CFL, you know you're not handing it off to your to your running back. You're just well, it's you, a you, do it's, if you do if you're in shotgun. Yeah, but it's generally speaking, it's a quarterback sneak. So that's why all the quarterbacks have all have all the touchdown rushes. But I'd love to see. <laughs> been saying this for I don't know a couple of years now, just. Just keep running that ball, just with consistency, and don't get away from it in the second and third and most of the fourth quarter until you're like, oh, wait, we have a run game. No, let's have a good, solid... It doesn't have to be a complete, you know, 60 to 40%, but just run the ball. Just just have some consistency with it. So I'm hoping this is a game that we can, uh, we can see this from Jason Moss. Maybe it's a get-right game for him as well. And if you establish the run, you can work off of that. You've got a quarterback that can roll out and throw. So, yeah, get that running game established. Work off the play action. 
and make things work. Well, it was that uh, it was the third and one for the Riders against the Bombers that uh, didn't go so well that uh, ended up turning the ball over. But it was the the three eye formation, the power power, power eye, eye formation, and they faked that and bootlegged Fajardo out, and he had Kyra Moore open and Moore just dropped it. Um, but they had Albert Awachi uh, coming out as a blocker as well out of the backfield play could have gone to him and he would have had the first down as well too so if we can see stuff like that coming out of the run game that's where this team's going to be very very good and hard to stop on offense i didn't hate that call i saw a lot of people like crapping all over that i love that call it was a great call it just wasn't executed that's all it was he he had two receivers open he picked the guy further downfield and more just dropped the ball which normally doesn't happen what do you do well, only three games this week in the CFL because everybody's on a bye. Uh, so the Friday night game we have here, I think we're all going to be consensus on this one. And uh, it's been a long time since we've all been uh, consensus on a router game. But Edmonton at Saskatchewan. Edmonton, oh, Saskatchewan. <laughs> yeah, Saskatchewan. Um, Winnipeg at Hamilton. Winnipeg's oh, making God. a big deal out of this because it's the first time for them in Hamilton since you know what last year uh can winnipeg put 50 up on them because i think it might happen i don't know this this might be the game that winnipeg lets kind of lets down because they they've clinched a playoff they spot. lost to montreal they can't go further down than that they've they've got a big lead in the in the uh the west division they're not worried about anybody catching them they they might start to slow down, and this might be the game to, that it happens. Winnipeg wasn't worried anyone catching him in week five. Winnipeg by ten. <laughs> yeah, Winnipeg wins this, and the uh, final game of the week: uh, BC at Calgary. BC with a new starting quarterback in Vernon Adams, so that should be making uh, making this game a little bit more interesting. I like VA. I think VA is going to fit in well there. I don't see Calgary losing to BC right now. BC is a different team without Nathan Rourke for some reason. It's amazing how one player also affects their defense. I got to go Calgary. Yeah, it's not that Jake Mayer's been, you know, lighting it up for me because he's beaten like Edmonton Elks a couple times. But Calgary's receivers, their defense is playing pretty well. Kadeem Carey, like that's... They're starting to, to roll a little bit now, and we're starting to see a, a Calgary team that could be dangerous in the playoffs. So for that reason, I'm going to go with the, the Stamps here. Look at us being consensus on pretty much everything this week. Weird. Okay, but it is football weekend in Saskatchewan. What yes, is your pick is. for Hill? What is your pick for Hilltop's Thunder? Well, last week's game. Oh my God, that game was so good! Was incredible with the Thunder tying it up very late and then sixteen it seconds. Yep. Sixteen seconds left. That game had everything. Like a hundred and like so, Eric Maximuk. He's going to be a kicker in the CFL. I swear to God, he missed a forty-seven yarder by like a foot. Um. The Hilltops returner, 117 yard. Like he caught it in the back of the end zone and took it all the way to the house. And I'm not going to give the Hilltops any praise for anything. Like that game had everything. It was wild. 
Well, we've seen the last couple of years whenever these two teams meet. It's uh, they're good games. Last so. year it was Maximuk walk off from fifty foot fifty one yards in Saskatoon. Yep. In the yep. following week, Isaiah Woodley took the lead with our third with the uh, Thunder's third string quarterback because the other two quarterbacks got knocked out of the game, and that he. I think it was like 30 seconds left on the clock with the touchdown on a screen. Like these games are wild. Like one o'clock on Saturday. You got to see that one. But anyways, Thunder Hilltops, you guys taking? Uh, I'll take the Thunder in this one in a close one. Hilltops by 20. I'm going to punch you in your face. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, And then Huskies and uh, Rams. Yep. The number two seven p.m. That's the the number two game of the day. Yep, seven p.m. These are both good teams right now as well. Too both two and zero. I think the the Rams might have been overachieving in their first couple games. The um, I gotta admit, uh, the uh, Huskies blowing out the Dinos. I did not see coming. The the Dinos are normally a very strong team. The Huskies are a good team. They're they're going to be there towards the end of the year when you're looking at a, a Vanier Cup. Well, you know, when they got a former rider like Scott Flory, you, you know they, <laughs> they got greatness as a co- head coach there. Um, Everything he does, he learned in Regina. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Huskies in this one. I think it's a Saskatoon sweep. I hate you so much. I'm, as a former... Well, here we go. I'll pull it out. You realize this is an audio show, right? I know. You of our oh. team, baby. Oh, um, he pulled it out all right. I did pull it out. There you go. Visual medium. Uh, Thank God yeah, they can't uh, see what we see. <laughs> yeah, no, Rams, baby. Rams all the way on this one. That should be a should be a great week for football. Hopefully the weather's pretty nice and it's not rainy like it was uh on Tuesday here, but and the concert in the park between the uh, Thunder and the Rams game. Yep. So should be a a good weekend of football here in Saskatchewan. Looking forward to it, and uh, we'll see you guys all out there. But I think that's going to do it for us this week here on the Pivots Podcast. Pivots Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as always to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support, making this show possible. And, of course, to you, my Olympic hero, Kurt Ankle, thank you as well. Piffles Podcast is a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert. Ghost.